Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to 2021 and Season 9 of the FIA World Endurance Championship. We're not ready to go racing quite yet, but in a few minutes' time, at 21 minutes past the hour, uh, the noon hour in Central European time, we will be able to give you a definitive uh, chat through the entry list for the 2021 season. I'm John Hindorf. I'll be joined in a moment or two's time by the voice of the WEC for us here on the Radio Show Limited Network of Sound and Vision channels. That'll be Johnny Palmer. Let's start with what we think we know. There's been a lot of announcements. First of all, the calendar is due to start off with the Sebring test and race in March. A strong suggestion that that won't happen. Then Spa uh, in May, perhaps a European event before that, Portimao, the big tip. Uh, June is still Le Mans for the moment, but that, of course, is subject to change. Monza in July, September uh, uh, in uh, Fuji and Bahrain on the 20th of November. Johnny Palmer is joining us this morning. Uh, JP, voice of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Good to have your company. Uh, welcome to, I, f- I suppose, this is the start, isn't it, of season nine, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, we sort of expected it to be underway already because the plan was for it to be a school year, so running after Le Mans. We should have started in September last year and then headed on into Le Mans this year. But, uh, yes, plans have rather been thrown up into the air. So we revert to a summer calendar that's easier to understand for many and just the six races. But um, exciting times because we head into a whole new era. Goodbye LMP1, by the grandfathered cars and hello hypercar. Any surprises, do you think, GP? In the top class... No, I don't think so. Um, But potentially in GTE Am, I I think Pro is pretty much fixed. And I think, sadly, we're not going to get many cars in that. Um, So, but, but, you know, the old saying goes, only takes two cars to to give us a race. We're going to have four. Uh, So that's a bonus. And, uh, but yeah, in Am, I I think there, there might be some interesting movements I think it's still the same three cars, Ferrari, Porsche, Aston Martin, but we do get the uh, new Porsche, the RSR19, trickling down into AM, which is very exciting. Uh, LMP2, I think, could be the real area where we get one or two names that we've known from other areas of the, of the sport, mm. um, thinking this is a great category now. It, it, uh, you know, it's, it's effectively a one-make category because it's all about the Orica, but are we going to get one or two of the other chassis coming in? They'll be pegged back, of course, because LMP1 is going to be slower, so LMP2 equally so. There's been a raft. The, the, the entries opened on the 4th of, of January, JP, and, and close today. The entries for Le Mans 2021 open today and close in a couple of three weeks' time. Obviously, there's some automatic entries to, to go in, into that. We've had a raft 
of announcements from teams, which kind of makes this not the the uh, occasion, I suppose, that, that that we've had in the in in the past. Jota, for example, we know Van Dorn, Blomqvist, Galil uh, is going to be in one of uh, their cars. Um, we've got uh, De Costa, Davidson, and Gonzalez retained in the other. Um, we have what else? Uh, the, the Ferraris. Lots of Ferraris, as you've mentioned. And again, lots of driver announcements there. What do you think would be a good entry for Season 9 in 2021 in terms of numbers? Somewhere near 30? That, that would be quite impressive, wouldn't it? Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then it's about trying to retain that number throughout the season. But I suppose being full season entries, um, there's quite a fine to pay if you do duck out after Le Mans. One or two cars did that, but didn't really have the opportunity to do last year because Le Mans was the penultimate round. It sort of depends where Le Mans sits in the new year. If it is going to be pushed back, as you, as you have suggested, then maybe that helps. I don't know. But, um, yeah, mid-20s to 30s, considering we're into almost another transitional season. It seems like we've had three of those on the bounce. But um, yeah. that's that's the situation we're in. The championship couldn't foresee what was to happen in 2020, and they've had to adjust. So I think coming out of uh, you know what we've had to suffer for the last best part of 12 months, 30 mm. cars would be brilliant. Right. Um, getting the first news through from the announcements, we said somewhere near 30 uh, would be uh, very good indeed. 13 GTM. 4 GT Pro, 11 P2s and 5 hypercars. So that's 16, 20. I reckon that's 33 outstanding, uh, uh, outstanding full season entry. Uh, Project 1 Porsche, Agidio Perfetti, Matteo Caroli named as the drivers. We knew about the, uh, the Ferraris, but confirmed now the number 60, Iron Lynx Ferraris, Schiavone, Piccini, and Crisoni. We'll get some more of those as they're coming through. JP, your first thoughts on 33 cars, first of all, as we're taking this information coming in live from the FIA World Endurance Championship entry announcement for 2021 Season 9. 33. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I said late 20s, early 30s. That's bang on the money. And the, the top end of my envelope as well. Um you know, there are certain classes within there that are struggling, but I think there's room for growth heading into future years. But in the in the non-pro categories, those where you've got to have the delicate balance of drivers within AM and within LMP2, I think it's very exciting. What it's doing is drumming up interest from other divisions, whether that be within the ACO or within, let's say, the European Le Mans Series, Asian Le Mans Series, realising that WEC is perhaps more of a manageable campaign because it's going mm. to be confined potentially into a smaller area. There are fewer races as well. So it's very attractive in this season. Uh, 11 P2s full season. We've talked about this on Midweek Motorsport. P2, a growth area, new regulations, new chassis coming in, but also crucially some new teams we'll see in there once we get into the meat of that and we'll go through some more of the GT um, uh, entrance in a, in a second as they're coming into us but LMP2 crucial because teams stroke manufacturers who are pushing some of their private ear teams into that getting some experience of running the LMP2 chassis which could for people like hmm, Audi and Porsche become 
then LMDH entries. Yeah, because of all the, the, the um, crossover between the, the two new um, categories, which are the same, as you say, the same sh- chassis manufacturers. So you get to grips with uh, what LMP2 is about, the one-make nature of it, but uh, the future of LMDH is four four different uh, manufacturers, therefore slightly more varied. But the, the nuances of, of preparing, setting up, and LMP2 aren't particularly driving it. The amount of downforce it gives you for lesser experienced drivers, very useful first venture into sports car racing before they can maybe hit the top class next year. Uh, let's just go through a few more of the GTE AM entries, by far the biggest category uh, in the championship as it stands. Uh, we got down Iron Link's Ferrari 77. It is uh, the Dempsey racing car. Christian Reed continues his run in the FIA WEC, and I think is now the only driver, JP, who, who's done all of what we would call FIA WEC races in the previous uh, in the previous eight seasons and going into season nine. Correct, yep. Yeah. Ever-present from 2012 Sebring through to now, um, which is uh, just a massive achievement. I've lost count how many races it is. Well, the second race in the season just gone was the 60th, and we had mm. another six on top of that so yeah 67 and and still counting will be uh, wherever the first round is another great gentleman driver uh, Francois Perodo is the lead driver and the name driver for the 83 entry and GTE arm for AF Corsa uh, one of the slight surprises although we we were talking about on midweek motorsport in fact this came out of a, a Twitter conversation <laughs> Dubai 24 hours uh, last weekend the TF Sport number 33 confirmed Ben Keating moving over to Aston Martin and to Tom Ferrier's team uh, with Dylan Pereira, another uh, Porsche refugee, former Porsche uh, Carrera Cup Middle East driver, and Felipe Fraga. Great news. That's one of two entries. Uh, there's a D station, triple seven, I think, is their number on that, with uh, two Japanese drivers named and a third one to come soon. But TF Sport, far, I, I'm stung clearly by my suggestion that they were stepping away from Aston Martin, came back to us very quickly. And that's great news for fans of Aston Martin and for Tom Ferrier and, of course, for the very wonderful voice of, of Ben Keating. They've been, TF Sport have been so loyal to that brand. I remember when they probably first made their first, their, their initial step into ACO Rules Racing, which was in the Le Mans Cup, the GT3 Le Mans Cup, Michelin Le Mans Cup, and uh, incorporating two Road to Le Mans events. So uh, the, and then the move into actual GTE cars as a result of winning that championship, they got uh, an entry at Le Mans and... Uh, off the back of that, entered the European Le Mans series. And then the steady growth year on year. Fair play to Tom and his team. And mm. now really um, tempting big names in the sport. And that, and that's a quite a significant signing, Ben Keating. Because he, he's driven front-engine GT cars before. But I don't think he's ever driven an Aston. Um, he's driven a Vipers. Mm, uh, and then more recently, I mean, Porsches was the big... T- he obviously had that ill-fated run at Le Mans with the Ford GT as a customer car. Oh, well, well, and crossed the line in uh, in first position. Indeed. But he's a Ford mm. man through and through. Now, I don't know whether he's yes. got any dealership connections with Aston in the States. And, and uh, because he's got so many dealerships, maybe with whichever brand he goes with in GT Racing, he can claim he's still staying loyal. But it's... Uh, 
a talent to him as well to be able to adjust. I mean, I know a lot of the GT cars are under the skin. A lot of drivers say, well, once you can drive one, you can drive them all. I'm not so sure that's necessarily no. true. And it's not from a from someone who's coming at it from a businessman perspective. But uh, credit to him. And he's uh, got a very familiar driving lineup as well that will shift across to TF Sport. Dylan Pereira was mentioned, I think, was... Yes, with yeah, Dylan Pereira confirmed. Right? Yes, yeah. so he's yeah, a, I yeah. mean, Super Cup star moving into an Aston as well. Yeah, very good. Saw him racing at the weekend, of course, in uh, Dylan, that is, in uh, Dubai. Uh, Project One have named York Bergmeister as their lead driver for the number 46 entry. Uh, Chetila racing the uh, 47 car. That's got uh, Lacorte as the top driver. Uh, not all, you don't have to name all of your drivers here. They, they like you to have uh, one lead driver. The 54, another AF Corsa, Ferrari. Uh, that's a, uh, the Fleur and Frankie Ca- uh, Castellacci entry. The D Station entry um, that we mentioned uh, with the two Japanese drivers. This is very interesting. Staying on a sort of TF Corsa. Uh, TF Corsa, <laughs> uh, TF Racing. Hmm, I, might, I might suggest that to Tom, actually. The, the 777, uh, Tomonobu Fuji and Satoshi Hoshino, they've driven together before. Uh, Tomonobu Fuji is uh, D-Station Racing, uh, and they're going to run this as a sort of joint venture, a partnership, and we're expecting to hear the third driver uh, for that uh, in due course, I think is what we uh, were told. Uh, Iron Links, uh, the Fry, Gatting and Costner car, again, at the Iron Dams, as, as they tend to be called. And GR Racing in uh, GTE um, with uh, uh, Ben Barker, uh, in there, and of course the the man behind it—that's the uh, the Mister Wainwright. Um, any no surprises there for you then? No, no, not. I mean, the number, the number of them is a surprise, honestly. Yeah. But uh, no, there, there are a lot of familiar names. Some interesting movements from well-established oh, I've missed teams. A couple to out. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, JP. I've missed a couple out. The number eight, Dempsey Carr. Uh, the, that's Andler as the lead driver and Paul Dallalana listed as the lead driver in a third Aston Martin still running under the AMR banner uh, because obviously it is a, a customer now no works racing from AMR and he keeps his number 98 but no other drivers sorry so 13 AMs there JP the number impressive uh, and surprising you in a positive way very much, because I think we got to 11 for the opening round of season eight, and I thought that might be a high uh, for a long time, and we've broken it by another two cars. Um, and, yeah, some movements from well-established teams, or more importantly, manufacturers, to others. So some, you know, some interesting movements in the transfer season, you might say. Uh, <laughs> and also um, the, the fact that, like the Iron Dames, they're moving up from, from Le Mans and ELMS to... To the big show, you might say, um, mm. and there are one or two others as well that, that see it as a, a a natural next step. I think made easier because of, as I say, eight races down to six, so more manageable, and potentially just two flyaway races. We still don't know about Sebring. We're playing catch up here as it's all been released piecemeal, uh, starting uh, about what uh, eleven, twelve minutes ago from the FIA WEC. Let's move on to P two. Uh, Richard Mille racing team uh, with Tatiana Calderon, Sophia Flersch and Beitzke Visser. Uh, we knew that was coming. It had been announced. What I'm surprised about there, JP, number one on the side of that car. Is it? 
Okay. Yeah, been given the number one entry. That's strange. Right. Um, that's reserved. Normally, it's first come, first served for numbers in WEC, but number one is reserved for a champion. Um, and at the discretion of the championship, um, you we, we normally see the P2s going from 20 upwards, and indeed the next entry number is high class. That's the... Um, Magnuson, Fjordback, Kevin Magnuson, Angus Fjordback, and uh, Dennis Anderson in that car. Um, uh, that's 20. But number one on the Richard Mill Racing team, that does surprise me. Carried by Rebellion the previous season because they had cars one and three because it was the Rebellion 13 um, or oh, R13. Very good. Yes, I see. That's uh, yes, very good. Th- I'm just trying to remember the P2 whether. car. Uh, no, it was an LMP1 car last season, but now this is a P2 no, sorry, car. Sorry, but number one going on yeah, onto a weird. P2 car. Because it's normally, yes. as you say, 21 and above. Because remember when yeah. Porsches had their 20 and 17 to celebrate a, a, a championship year as well. Um, I'm sort of thinking on my feet here, but I'm, did Rebellion actually win anything? Were they privateer title winners in season seven ah. to get that? Or right. again, okay. was that yeah, just yeah. because they said, we'd like the number one, please? And they got it. But uh, Richard Mille, he's got friends in high places, hasn't he? So maybe that's uh, worked for him. Mansion, the next car in uh, P2, which is high class. Jan Magnussen, Angus Fjordbach, Dennis Anderson, that's the 20. Um, that's a solid team there. And again, I think that had been pretty highly trilled. Uh, Dragon Speed are back uh, in season nine, the 21 entry for, at the moment, just two drivers named. But that's all right. Uh, Juan Montoya and Ben Hanley. This is an interesting one uh, with Ben Hanley teaming up with Juan Montoya, who has been playing his trade recently in in IMSA with varying degrees of uh, success frustration and annoying other people by running into them quite quite honestly i don't think you get away with the same kind of um robust driving uh, with eduardo freitas as he has done perhaps in the states no possibly not uh back to le mans though that means doesn't it for uh, juan montoya so he did feature uh, in 2020 with Dragon Speed, um, but they didn't finish the race. So, mm. uh, yeah, Dragon Speed not been in the WEC for a season, I think. They uh, were in ELMS, um, and that deal didn't go so well in the end with Ryan Cullen and uh, much, oh, yes, re- yes. M- much rethinking. It had to be done halfway through the season because Ryan owned the car and he w- wanted to go elsewhere, away from Elton Julian's uh, team. But uh, they just need a stable run, Um and, yeah, they've signed Montoya, Montoya in order to achieve that. Good luck. Yeah, v- yeah, very good. Very good. Henrik Hedman um, we're I- hearing as well for that car. But, I mean, he is Dragon's... Well, he's not Dragon Speed, but he's a long-term partner with um, with Elton Julian. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, United Autosports number 22, Phil Hansen, Philippe Albuquerque, and Dutch driver Fabio Scherer, uh, which, th- I mean... Why would you break up Phil Hansen and Philippe Albuquerque? So absolutely, absolutely right from the, the Yorkshire-based team there. Yes, uh, but they, they had a difficult decision to make because Hansen's always been a silver to this point and he's now a championship winner in ELMS, WEC, 24 Hours of Le Mans, everything you want to mention in the world of ACO rules racing, Phil has won. So um, he was always, I think, going to stay with United. But then the tricky thing was, how do you plug the hole that Phil leaves, as in the silver? Um, so, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how that works out heading forward. It will stay as a three-driver lineup because ELMS was always two, just Phil and Philippe, but uh, three uh, will remain the case.
Um, I, I We should mention in LMP2, there is a subclass this year, which is the Pro-Am subcategory. And high-class racing that we've mentioned, Dragon Speed that, we're, that we've mentioned, are eligible for that. And that depends, as Johnny was talking about, the split of, of the drivers. If we could keep on going through the entry, Jota, uh, Stoffel Van Dorn, Sean Galil and Tom Blomqvist, again, widely trailed. That's, that's another solid-looking driver line-up there, JP. Yeah, very much. Just to back to your previous point, did you mention that in the high-class lineup, Dennis Anderson was there? Because yes. he's a bronze, so I think that's yes. the difference then between correct regular LMP2 and uh, pro-am LMP2 is that there's a bronze. And I presume driver. Henrik Hedman is a bronze, a bronze driver as well. That's right. Yes, yeah. And we'll come th- as we go through now. As I'm getting more information through, I'll I'll flag those up as we get to them. But Blancfist, Galil, Van Dorn, um, yeah. <laughs> Don't, you don't see a chink in that armour at no. all, do you? No, not at all. Um, Galeel continues to impress me. I, you know, he's not at the, the level necessarily as Van Dorn and Longquist, but uh, could get there with their coaching. And that's the beauty of this partnership is that you have the ability as a, as a full-on platinum or gold to look at the data, the telemetry, and try and identify where the silver can win or lose you the race. So... Uh, They've been around for a good while and raced in lots of different things as well. Stoffel van Dorn mm. last in the WEC with SMP Racing or BR Engineering. So uh, it's been a little wait for him. He was raced at Le Mans, didn't he? I'm not sure whether he did uh, rounds of the WEC after that, but didn't do anything in Season 8. So again, um, over 15 months away for, for van Dorn. Uh, we are... Uh, going through the just-released entry list for Season 9 for the FIAWEC, uh, the 2021 season. Johnny Palmer with me, John Heindhoff. Uh, we head to... We're in the middle of uh, P2. We'll get to uh, GT Pro and the LMP1 category hypercar, as it's unfortunately going to be called. Uh, tw- 29 entry, Oregas 07 Gibson. Um, uh, there are a couple of leash years uh, in the class. We'll talk about mm. those in a moment. Um, Racing Team Netherlands, another one of the pro-am subcategory cars for Guido van der Garde, all Dutch entry, uh, Joffen Oetet and Fritz von Eert. And again, that'll be Fritz von Eert, who is the bronze driver there. Yes, 53-year-old uh, Vagel businessman who uh, is the CEO of Jumbo Supermarket. So I'm thinking that the, the paint scheme is set for that car, the yellow <laughs> and the white. Do you think it might be a bit, or, bit yellow? Yeah, quite, uh, quite possibly, yes, with the Jumbo branding on the, on the uh, dorsal fin. Um, Yop did two races in Season 8 to fill in for uh, Nick De Vries, who was busy with single-seaters as well. Um, sounds like they've dropped Nick then, or he was just too mm. busy elsewhere. Um, Possibly. And therefore, uh, Jot van Erde, who you know, had a long-standing partnership with Fritz van Erde. I think Fritz has given him some guidance, a little bit of funding here and there to get to uh, where he is mm. today. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, th- there's no question about Guido van der Garde's pace. So uh, that's going to be a very strong lineup. They had a, at least one race win in Season 8. So looking forward to mm. seeing how they get on. Number 31 is, the fir- uh, is, is one of the teams in LMP2 that we were talking about this this forward planning and this is Vincent Voss's team uh, Team WRT in a, uh, with an Orica Gibson the only named driver at the moment is Dutchman Robin French um, the two TBAs um, one might suggest JP WRT big Audi uh, customer team Audi we know are going LMDH 
in a couple of seasons' time. I think we might see a couple of more recognisable Audi names in that, if not for the full season, perhaps even um, a a bench, if you will, of Audi drivers coming through that car with Robin French as the, the, the lead name. Manuel Pirro. Dindo Capello, maybe. Out of retirement. Headline I news. Lo- I, 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 like, I like your thoughts, but I, I think they may be more contemporary okay. than that. All right. Like mm. a Dries Van Tour, maybe. Uh, now you're talking. Right. Now you're talking. Mm. And, and this is all about getting experience for WRT, for Vincent Voss's team, uh, of the championship, of how it works, pit stop procedures, regulations, building relationships within the paddock, and getting used to running an LMP2 car. Now, whether Audi are going to use the Orica chassis or not, it doesn't really matter in that point because it will be substantially uh, changed for an LMDH. It's going to have a a hybrid uh, on it as well, and there are some other things that can be changed um, uh, on, uh, on that car, including the aero, of course. But I think this is an interesting one that WRT have committed uh, early to this. Into Europe, Paula, next up, the 34. Now, this is one of the least years, uh, Johnny. Uh, Kuba Szymakowski, uh, the uh, uh, Dutchman, Renge van der Zander, and Alex Brundle, friend of us here, uh, on, in fact, you know, all of those are, to to be honest. Always like talking to Renga. Uh, I think there's going to have to be a little change if the Sebring race goes ahead because Renga obviously has his IMSA duties. And I seem to remember he said Elio Castro Neves was going to sit in for him um, if those two races clash uh, over the IMSA weekend. Uh, another solid team. And with uh, Kubis Mikowski in it, that's another one of the Pro-Am entries, but in a leisure. Okay, uh, Smohovsky, I didn't think was bronze, but there may be other um, complicating factors to that. I'm also trying to remember when, when Interpol Europe, uh, into Europol competition rather ran at Petit. They yeah, mm. they did run an Orica zero seven, so they've obviously yeah. had one at their disposal. That's an interesting decision, therefore, to mm. go with the Ligier. It might be the Ligier they own, and they just lease the Orica for uh, for Petit Le Mans for, Petit. for, yeah. for travel purposes. Uh, yeah. But the yeah, I, I think they could get on very nicely indeed. Some big names there. Um, Alex Brundle, obviously running Quicker than anything. Yes, and running with United Autosports last year, but often in the in the secondary car, should I say politely? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas uh, you know he's going to get first-hand service, no doubt about it, within the uh, Inter Europol competition team. Um, the other lineup for sort of the other driver, Guido van der Garda. Uh, yeah, I mean, strong, strong in absolutely everything, and it's going to be tricky for him to to work out where he needs to be as far as the the, the calendars are concerned. But I think there's only potentially one clash at the start of the year, as you say, in the in the Netherlands car, in the team Netherlands car. Uh, are you sorry? You mean Renge van der Zander? I did mean Excuse van der Zander. Me. I said yes, van der Garda. Sorry, beg no, your pardon. Yes, yes. It, van, no, it's van, all right. Van der Zander. I'm one, I'm one co- a coffee away from being firing on all cylinders, uh, to be honest myself. Uh, the Mighty 38 is, of course, Jota. It has to be. They're in the venerable Orica 07 Gibson. Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix de Costa and Anthony Davidson. Um, that's yeah, why change a good, a good combination, to be honest. Yeah, again, most spectacular uh, line up there. Um, really looking forward to seeing how they get on. And again, it's sort of natural progression from uh, everything they've done to this point onward into 2021. 
Mm. ERC Bratislava uh, with a liege year. That's number 44. Unimiro Knofka um, being named on that one. Uh, famed for their interesting colour schemes. Uh, and I mean, good to see them them back. I don't think we read anything to Miro just being the, the only named driver at the moment. No, I think he's the natural name to, to put with that team. Um, because it's basically his outfit. But uh, yeah... I think it's exciting where we might may go in that. And thinking back to who he was racing with at the weekend in the Dubai 24 hours, probably not many there that you would pick for... No. Let's have a look. No, because it was... Uh, I mean, that was deliberately uh, a, a non-pro lineup, you might say. Although, was he racing with his son, who might be somebody to look at? Matto Kanopka, oh. who might yeah, be somebody to look at for in the future in, in um, sports car racing. Um, yes. Matto... Yeah, very early on in his career. He's only done uh, a couple of uh, 24-H series races. But, yeah, Miro, um, I'd have to look back to when they last raced at the 24 Hours of Le Mans to see if there's any clues as to who mm. he's going to be joined with. Not sure they did last year, but they certainly did the 2018 in an LMP2 car. So at least mm. they have got experience, the team from Slovakia, uh, at that level of sports car racing. Real team racing are the final in terms of the ascending numbers of LMP2 entries. Back to the Orica here. This is the Swiss flagged team stepping up into FIA WEC with Loic Duval, Norman Nato. Uh, and the name that I didn't know when we were talking about this on Wednesday on Midweek Motorsport was Esteban Garcia. Um, it's a step up, but these guys have proved they can run prototype cars, Johnny. Yeah, and Esteban Garcia is a, a really nice guy, actually, and, and couldn't quite believe that he managed to, to win a race at LMP3 level in the ELMS. He said, uh, not mm. only is this my first win in LMP3, it's my first ever win. So it gave you some indication oh, yes. of how, how limited experience he's got, but how keen he is to, to kind of push himself to the next level. Um, and a couple of guys alongside him at Real Team that have massive experience, like Duval and Norman Nato, you know, that's... That's years worth of LMP1 knowledge that they can mm. descend down into or descend to uh, the LMP2 level. I think we port it across nowadays, JP. Yeah. Honest. Okay. <laughs> GTE Pro. Let's go into the pro classes. A small field. Uh, I think we were rather expecting this. Two AF Corsa Ferraris, two Porsche, uh, effectively works Porsches. AF Corsa, remember, not a works factory team. But if uh, a works Ferrari team, but if Ferrari had uh, a works and factory GT team, I think it would look rather like a Marto Ferrari, no relations, AF Corsa team. Uh, a little bit of juggling drivers around for AF Corsa. Uh, not much, though. James Collado and Alexandra Pergidi in one car. Miguel Molina and Daniel Serra in the other. There's not much you can say about those pro-pro and... They'll be turned out perfectly, and we know they will be hunting for the championship. Yeah, and what I don't know is what's happened to Regon. I mean, he'll still have a role in Ferrari, I would think. But um, the fact he's, that he's had, to, he has been, he has been replaced by, Sarah. by Daniel Serra. Yeah, but that, that happened. You see, at the the second version, the eight hours of Bahrain two point zero, yeah. as I was calling it. Um, yes, that was very good. Because there was a clash at the end of the year with the uh, Ricard thousand Ks. Now. Um, I don't know whether... Well, that was run by AF Corsa as well. So that was yes. clearly their decision. But maybe they've looked at the data and they think that David Regon is more useful to them in a GT3 car. And clearly, for the Brazilian, Daniel Serra, uh, 36 now, um, 
that was a bit of an audition for him. Not that he needed it necessarily, but they stuck him in for an eight-hour eight race to share the car mm. and what? he passed with flying colours because he's all of a sudden got a full-season deal out of it. Well, let's not forget when Jimmy Bruni, who we'll talk about at the moment, left and there was a spare seat and there was some shuffling around uh, for quote-unquote third drivers. Daniel Serra was the guy who came through the shootout. Um, unofficially, I'm calling it that. was never sp- spoken about by Eve Corsa, but sources close to and within the organisation told me that it was Serra who impressed the most out of everybody that was there. So I think he's earned his spurs and he'll be a, uh, he'll be a good I think it'd be a good match with Miguel uh, Molina uh, in that car. The two Porsche, uh, 91 and 92, it's 51-52 for the EF course. It's 91-92 for the RSR 19 Porsches. Jimmy Bruni and Ricard Leitz, Neil Yanni and Kevin Estre together. Truly international uh, with uh, Italy, Austria, Switzerland and France. There, no surprises there, JP. I'll be interested to see, in fact, for all of these GTE Pro cars, perhaps who the third drivers might be when we get to the longer races. Yeah, the only surprise for me was the, the fact that they've dropped Michael Christensen. But again, that's a, mm. been, been a tough He's decision. He's got other for... things to do. Right. Oh, fair enough. Um, but it wasn't retained at all by, by Porsche. Did they lose six drivers from their factory lineup? Mm. But I realise that, you know, that there are some that have been there for years and years. Christensen, uh, the title winner with Estra in the in the um when they painted the car like the pig livery you know the classic yes, Porsche yes. and yeah, they yeah, won the the, pig, they yeah. won the the pink pig livery yeah they won the the whole title the um world endurance championship at that year's Le Mans but yeah Yarni to a GT car is is really exciting for me because I've only uh, only kind of um link him with 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 uh, the bigger LMP1 cars so I'm sure you know, there's so many transferable skills there, and he's already shown himself to be quick in a GT car. So there are no Dead. problems at all uh, w- with I, him moving across. I I think as well. And if I've if I've dreamt this or I'm saying this and I shouldn't, I'm pretty certain we're going to see Neil Yanni um, at the Rolex 24 in a GT Porsche uh, as well. Um, if I've made that up or misremembered it, I I totally. Um, apologise in advance. That leaves us with the only other pro, pro class, and that is what is now called Hypercar. It's the top class. It's LMP1, if the other one is LMP2. Uh, we have, uh, within that, of course, the opportunity for LMDH and LMH, and indeed LMP1, the old LMP1. Um, there is one of those. There is, uh, There are two... Teams running LMHs. We'll start with the defending champions. They're seven and eight. The new Toyota GR010, GR010 hybrid. Uh, same driver lineups as last year. Conway Kobayashi and Jose Maria Lopez. That leaves Seb Buemi, Kaz Nakajima and Brendan Hartley in the other. The GR010 uh, looking, as you might expect, rather like uh, an evolution of the TSO 50 um, running a V6 rather than uh, any other engine uh, configuration that we might have, uh, that, that was being trailed ahead, it's still with engine, the hybrid. It? It's, it's a 3.5, I think, rather than the 2.5 V6. 
Yeah, yes. rather than the 2.4, the little tiny thing they had uh, for previous seasons. So, I mean, and it sounded like that when I was talking to Alex Verts. I was trying to get him to give me a steer when we were doing our prototype panel before Christmas, and they were testing both of the cars actually uh, at Portimao. And as it was going past on that very long straight, it didn't seem like it was being revved very hard and working very hard. It was a, a low thrum, which suggested to me it was. Um, fewer cylinders larger capacity certainly you know wasn't the v8 or a, or a small capacity v6 howl um, I, I think we're going to enjoy seeing that and they've got to come into this as the favorites because they can't unlearn what they've had jp the car clearly influenced by everything that, that, that they know already yeah and actually a lot of the stuff from the tso 50 the most developed version of the tso 50 they've been able to bring across through whatever mechanism but obviously quite a lot of the 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 outer skin has had to change there's much more weight in there as well uh, as per the regulations but I hadn't realized that a lot of the stuff that they learned on the journey developing the TSO 50 they can either transfer uh, as was or they can learn all those little use the lessons over the last four or five years really in producing uh, this car which seems to have come about very very quickly indeed they built yeah. it very quickly, I mean. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's obviously been in the planning for a while. Mm. Uh, anybody who's who's been going to commit to the top category of FIA, uh, WEC, SEO Rules Racing, obviously there was, a, there was a time, wasn't there, where we were a little bit becalmed because there was some discussion going on about what the final regulations would be. It's been full steam ahead since then. Uh, we'll get to the other... LMH entries in a moment, but the outlier is the number 36. The uh, team are Alpine Elf Matmut. Uh, the car is listed as an Alpine A480 Gibson, Gibson the motor supply. It is, of course, the Rebellion R13, which is an Orica uh, underneath. Um, uh, exactly the same car. As far as I'm aware, there's no changes whatsoever. It's just been rebadged. Um, uh, it's a marketing exercise for Alpine, but very interesting that uh, Alpine cars, Renault Sport road cars uh, and the motorsport division uh, of Renault have all been brought together under the Alpine brand. Andrea Negrau, the first driver there, sort of surprised not to have a Frenchman uh, leading that. Surely got to have a couple of tricolours going in as the TPS. Yeah, just looking back at the, who they had in for LMP2 duty in season eight. Tom Laurent was in the lineup, as was mm. Pierre Rag. Now, you wouldn't necessarily use Rag because uh, he's a silver and you don't need a silver in your combination. Um, but Tom Laurent um, looks a, a sort of obvious choice, but I don't know where he is in, in his career and whether he's got other deals afoot. No longer an official Toyota test driver. Um, mm. So, yeah, but to be honest, the, the Brazilian, um, Andre Negrau, simple choice. He's, he's a former FIA WEC champion, again, with that with Tech Alpine at LMP2 level, won that in season seven. Um, and just a thoroughly nice chap as well, if you ever get the opportunity to sit down and have a, a quick uh, five minutes with him. Um, so, racing t- race, uh, Richard Meal racing team, rather, uh, last year, that was for a couple of races, and then the full season with... Uh, the same team. So uh, stepping up to LMP1 in, in, as you say, the recycled rebellion. Recycled rebellion. I love it. Um, there is no bicolis. 
uh, uh, we had heard from Colin Collis that they were well down the line with uh, negotiations with a manufacturer to bring in a LMH. Uh, it may be that that has now been the points have been changed, if you will, and they've gone off down the line of LMDH uh, for reasons of cost. So the final two entries that we're going to talk about in the season nine, the 2021 FIA World Endurance Championship, are number 708 and 709, traditional Glickenhaus racing numbers when we've seen them. This is the 007 LMH, Gustavo Menezes and Ryan Briscoe, the two named drivers. Now, Glickenhaus have been very vocal, if you can be vocal, on socials um, about they're doing it the right way and everybody's doing it the wrong way. They've been taking massive pot shots at, at the the big uh, the big manufacturers, the big automotive manufacturers. They are clearly setting themselves out as the David that uh, can slay Goliath. Um, they've already put back their um, entry to the championship. If Sebring happens, they won't be going there. They'll be starting their season uh, at the earliest, they're saying it's Spa, although I, sus- I suspect if there's a European race that's slotted in, and we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, they will, would start there. Um, they were the first people to commit to this, even when the rules were still a bit fluid. And they seem to be well down the line, not as well on as Toyota, but they're there and they're on the list. And, and good luck to them, JP. Yeah, um, massive loyalty to... The 24 hours of the Nürburgring through the years also like to run the, the kind of GT3 equivalent Glickenhaus uh, at uh, 24H series races. And uh, Jim Glickenhaus is almost like a man possessed. He's that desperate to be at the 24 hours of Le Mans and also to the World Endurance Championship. I mean, it's kind of been it's his sole aim uh, ever since I was introduced to him what in 2012 I think when he was at the Nürburgring 24 hours and it's been a such a long he's got an infectious enthusiasm though hasn't he oh totally no no I mean I mean my term in a completely positive way because as you say he's so engaging when you when you meet him with his uh, wide brimmed hat uh, and just dreams for sports cars and and sports car racing and just wants to take his mark Glickenhaus to Le Mans and this this cements the entry for that race, but also we get to see him, uh, see the car and how it how it progresses across six hour races and and the, and the slightly longer race wherever that may take place. So, mm. so thoroughly exciting. I, I, I'm also encouraged by the contacts he's got because he brings in Californian driver Gustavo Menezes so for a true American brand. That's a great signing. Ryan Briscoe, the Aussie Rolex Twenty Four winner. Um, so yeah, the the initial signings are great. Uh, and let's see where it goes next. So that's the list. Let's go through and just take stock of what we've been talking about. Uh, Two new Toyotas in hypercar for the uh, world champions. Glickenhaus, two entries. Uh, Alpine Elf, Matt Mutt and... uh, Peugeot Sport, of course, we're expecting to see them this time next year with Porsche and Audi the year following that. LMP2, largest LMP2 field in current WEC history, 11 entries, nine different nations. And I think, JP, the first ever 
all-female driver lineup. Not, not that the stopwatch or the car or the track knows that at all, uh, but it will be talked about for Tatiana Calderon, Sophia Florshin and uh, Baitskavisa. Yeah, I'm scanning through the roller decks of history to see whether that is the case, but I think you're right. Calderon's run in LMP2 with two blokes before uh but yeah. um no I don't, I don't think it, we have had an all-female lineup we'll get that in both lmp2 and in gte am um brilliant uh oricon leisure both there which is good four teams this is important as well and, and you know you're our voice of elms as well four teams moving up from european le mans series to the wec dragon speed into europol real team and, and richard uh, meal, which proves even in these very difficult times that the ladder system is still working, JP. Yes, it does. Now, I, what we don't know yet is what sort of impact that has on the European Le Mans series yeah, because a it's point. a fine balance between the two championships. And I just wonder whether some teams are saying, hey, WEC 2021, it's almost like a European championship. Yes, you're going to get a flyaway at the end of the year to Bahrain. And I, I, I'm not sure whether Fuji is definitely happening or not. There, I, uh, there's been talk of placeholders in various places because I suppose when we get to the the scheduled dates for the later races, don't quite know where we're going to be. Although with vaccines uh, very much coming in now, hopefully uh, we'll be in a, a fit state to head to Japan. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll get an entry list for ELMS released in due course. Maybe we'll have a lot of familiar names on that as well, because deliberately so, there are no rounds that clash with another ACO no, exactly. championship. So you could foreseeably do do both in one in one go. The GTE Pro and AM fields, uh, Ferrari and Porsche going head to head. Ferrari looking to add to their record six titles. Uh, for that, yeah, all right. There's only four of them. We'll get more, I'm sure, um, in some of the blurry band races, and certainly by the time we get to Le Mans. Le Mans entries open today, the 21st, so we'll be talking about a, a Le Mans entry list. By the way, just a reminder in LMP2, that new Pro-Am category as well to keep an eye on. And GTE Am, uh, 13 entries. That's five Ferraris, five Porsches, and three Aston Martins, which Sarah Rigby is very, very happy about. Gulf Racing now, GR Racing, but a lot of favourites coming back as well as uh, Iron Lynx, who are new to this category in the WEC, and D-Station Racing, albeit in a in a partnership with TF. GTEM, very, very good, very healthy indeed, Johnny. Yeah, uh, brilliant in terms of numbers, and we really need another GTE car uh, before you know we can really start to speak about variety. But I, I have no problem with Ferrari, Porsche and Aston because... They're different enough, particularly now that the new Porsche, keep calling it the new Porsche, that debuted at at, uh, Silverstone in September 2019, or August technically, that's now available to regular teams in GTE Am. So Team Project 1 have got their hands on a couple of those, and as have Dempsey Broton Racing. Uh, And, well, it'll take them next to no adjustment time, I'm sure, because it's a very similar car, just with a slightly larger engine, but still in the same position. Um, Ferrari's... Remain very fast. Aston Martin's almost championship winning as long as they look after those brakes at the final round at Bahrain, although Bahrain this year is going to be earlier uh, 
about at the same sort of time, actually. So I hope mm. that doesn't ca catch people out. But if you remember, TF Sport were in a great position to take the title and then uh, cooked their discs that needed changing in an eight-hour race. But otherwise, Aston is a very strong car. Um, made even more so, perhaps, now, because you'll get a load of factory lads working on your machine. They're uh, short, short of a bit of work. Well, yes, fair, fair point. What is there anything in particular, GP, across all of those four classes, stroke five categories? I suppose you could you could say that that catches your eye. Anything that you're looking forward to? I'm I'm wondering how they're going to balance the top class. Um, with cars of distinctly... So we've got three different versions of cars in the top class. We've got the Toyota, which is a full-on uh, prototype built to absolutely the nth degree. We've got Glickenhaus, which has no hybrid and is uh, nominally based on a road car. And we've got a grandfathered-in rebellion, the recycled rebellion, as you said, for, for, for Alpine. I'm interested to see how level that playing field gets. I'm also interested to see how the, the, the AM category works in, in LMP2 AM. I think that's a very interesting addition. What, what is it that sticks out for you? I think you're right about the, the combination of all sorts of different rule sets in the top division. And then, because we're going to be slower than we were in LMP1 days in uh, Season 8, then that ha immediately has an impact on the speed that LMP2 goes. Very good point. And you're going to get different speed differentials for all of the drivers that are experienced in this category. And I think the first race, wherever that takes place, is just going to be, OK, this is the new environment here. I can't overtake any more uh, into mm. this type of corner. And I'm going to have to be looking in my mirrors in a completely different place. Now, exactly. Uh, GTs, well... And I assume that they're going to have to go slightly slower as well, or maybe they can be left at the same speed. But mm. then you're going to get potentially a, a crossover in performance levels between a GT car and a slowed LMP2. So I'm fascinated to see how that's going to un un unfold. What we do know is it's going to be another cracking season. We thought anywhere near 33 uh, 30 cars would be good. We've got 33 full season entries from 12 different countries, five hypercars, 11 P2s, four LMGTE Pros and 13 LMGTE Arms. Thank you very much to Johnny Palmer, who's been going through uh, the FIA World Endurance Championship 2021 entry list. It is season nine. Stay tuned to the Radio Show Limited network of channels for all of the news and our live race coverage throughout this season. Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.